welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family. Happy Sunday. Welcome. Welcome to our online experience. Please let us know where you're watching from. Engage in the chat, like, subscribe, share the link, whether you're watching from Facebook or YouTube. Thank you for tuning in. Hey to all the Kingdom Culture community as well, of course. We love you. So glad that you're with us. And all those that maybe are here for the first time, love that you're here with us. And today we're celebrating our one year, can you believe it, online anniversary. Yes, we've created an anniversary for online church. I would have never have thought in all the years of being in ministry, that we would be online for one year without meeting one time in person uh, for church. It's just mind-blowing. Let's take a Selah moment and just be still and acknowledge the fact that we have done it. And you're still here. You're connecting in community. You're engaged. Yes, community looks so different in these last 12 months. Online connect groups, online You know, prayer groups, Zoom groups, everything is just online, but we've done it and we're continuing to do it and we're still believing and still planning and still excited to come back in person. But today we take some time to celebrate our one year anniversary. Come on, give yourself a hand clap. We have done it and are doing it. So happy anniversary. Now, today I want to speak out of the third book of John to open up the whole message. We're going to do a two-part message today, starting today, and finish the second part um, next Sunday. Super excited about this, really feeling from the Holy Spirit that we are to dive into something that for so many people is a very taboo, tough subject to talk about. And so we're going to dive into the third book of John, okay, the third book of John, chapter 1, verse 2 says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. Everyone say that word with me, prosper. That you may prosper in all things. Come on, say it, all things. He says, prosper in all things, excuse me, and be in health just as your soul prospers. So he acknowledges in this moment three elements of prosperity. All things, health, just as our soul, our spiritual life, our inner life as well prospers. As your soul is called to prosper, basically is what he's saying, so is all the things in your life and your health, your body. So today we are talking about what has been in many circles in the church, a very dirty word, okay? We're talking about a very dirty word. Now, rightly so, no different than in many circles what the term Christian has become in that People have not represented the Christ in Christian. Or maybe it's the word prophetic. Or when people say healing or faith or tithing 
or tongues, speaking in tongues, or any of the gifts of the Spirit for that matter, and so many more. There's so many taboo, dirty words that I believe need some redemption, that need some clarification, need some biblical definition. And so, I mean, even the word church now is a, is a scary term for so many people. People think, or hear the word church, they think institution. They think organized religion. But hopefully, if you've been with us for some time, you know the definition biblically of church is not an institution, not an organized religion, but simply the people that make up the church. The church, as, we, as we've taught many times in the past, is the great ecclesia in the Greek. It's the called out ones. You are the church, okay? Yes, there's a building. Yes, there is governmental guidelines in how a not-for-profit or church should function. But that is not church as biblically defined, okay? We know that we are the church. So all these things are such taboo, dirty words, it seems like, especially in this day and in this hour. They're controversial. And I'm well acquainted with <clears throat> controversial terms as I've been somebody who's over the years taught and majored and focused on the supernatural and approaching the Bible from a very charismatic paradigm, which I believe is uh, the right paradigm in that Jesus was a charismatic in the sense of he operated in the supernatural. It's who he was and he is our prototype, okay? But that's a, another chat for another day. So today's subject is prosperity. Come on, say it with me. Prosperity isn't a dirty word, part one. Prosperity isn't a dirty word, part one. I want to talk about the pathway today to prosperity. The pathway to prosperity. Father, I pray that you would reveal to us, wherever we're watching from, about your heart to prosper our, our, our bodies, to prosper the things that we touch in life, and to prosper our spiritual life in such a way that it would transform those around us in Jesus' name. I pray that you would redeem and bring us into a little bit of a deeper dive or a deeper understanding of what it means in the area of your heart wanting to prosper our lives in Jesus' name. Now, like I said in the opening scripture, which I want to just dive back in for a second, really in scripture, and I'm, I'm using this verse as sort of a baseline, but read the Old Testament all the way into the New, and really we see three main forms of prosperity in scripture. Materially, which a lot of people end up just focusing on, which is you can't just focus on one without the other, okay? Materially, we have the prosperity of our body, so health and wellness, wholeness, healing, okay? Healthy life is a happy life. And then <clears throat> the prosperity of our soul and spirit, our inner, our inner man, okay? Our, our inner being, there's the desire for prosperity. Well, I believe this as a starting point, that for the other two things to prosper right in God's way, in God's heart, we have to have a prosperity of the soul and spirit. We have to align ourselves with his truth, which is the first step to prosperity. But let's read it again. The third book of John, chapter one, verse two. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. There's the invitation. <clears throat> Are we called to just prosper in a few things? No, there's a prayer that John prays to prosper in all things, everything that you put your hands to. And it says, and be in health, be healthy, be strong, 
in your body. God gave you a physical temple. Okay. He lent it to you. Okay. You're renting it, so to speak. It's your earth suit. Okay. It's God's plan that your earth suit prospers while it's present on earth. Okay. And then he says, just as your soul prospers. So just as your soul is prospering, just as you've majored on the spiritual revelation, the insight, the enlightenment, just as your soul is being strengthened, just as your soul is gaining momentum and faith, let the other things in your life, my prayer is the other things would be touched by the prosperity of your soul. Your body would be made whole. Your body would be healthy. And all things you would prosper. This word for prosper in the Greek, in this scripture, literally means well, good. It's broken up in two ways, okay? It means well or good or a good and well journey, literally meaning to go on a prosperous journey, figuratively to be on the right, most profitable path. So prosperity is. I want to be on the right, most profitable path. How about you? I don't want to be on the suffering path. Now, we go through suffering, but there's a profitable path that actually is a part of the road sometimes of suffering. There's profitable uh, outcomes when we go through stuff, but I don't want to be on the wrong path, suffering, 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 only with an outcome of suffering. I want to be on the right path that if I have to go through some stuff, go through some crisis, go through some, let's call it suffering, there's a profitable outcome for me. There's the rejuvenation of my character, the strengthening of who I am, the growth of who I am, the advancement of the kingdom and his mission, like all those things. Yes, I'll take the suffering for all those things. I want the profitable outcome, okay? So you've heard the term probably prosperity gospel out there. The reason why this is such a dirty word, the word prosperity, is because people have said, you know, and spouted and, and accused people of being proponents of what's called the prosperity gospel, where it's just all about the cars, the the houses, the riches, the wealth. And that is not the gospel, okay? Just because somebody has misrepresented the truth of something, the truth of a term, okay? Just because somebody has misrepresented Christianity as a whole doesn't mean you throw out Christianity as a whole. Because somebody has hurt you in the church doesn't mean you throw out the church, which really in the end is the people, okay? Because you can't go through life without interacting with people. People will hurt you. People will betray you. It will be hard in specific seasons. Well, just because somebody has <clears throat> misconstrued the gospel and, <clears throat> and exhibited or demonstrated a false gospel, let's call it the prosperity gospel, doesn't mean we throw out the gospel and doesn't mean we throw out the term prosperity because it's actually a biblical uh, a, a biblical definition that we all need to understand, okay? And I hope you're tracking with me now. I, I've actually heard a friend of mine coin the phrase, the popularity gospel. We have the prosperity gospel, which is leading people down a bad, dysfunctional path where they think the whole thing about their Christian life is all about the money, 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 the riches, riches, riches. Well, we also have in this season and day and age, the popularity gospel, how popular you are really is a reflection of how godly you are. How many followers on Instagram you have really is, a, is the defining you know, requirement of, uh, of an amazing pastor or an amazing leader. And that's just unfortunately, all of that is wrong and all of that is corrupt. 
but it doesn't mean that those things necessarily are corrupt, okay? Doesn't mean that social media is bad, doesn't mean that the gospel's bad, doesn't mean that having followers is bad or people that look up to you and, you know, want to glean from you. That none of that's bad, but unfortunately, people have misrepresented these things and now people have thrown them out, okay? It's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Now, the term prosperity gospel <clears throat> is used, like I said, to describe when people use that, people that are all about getting rich, nice cars, houses, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know how anybody can really actually say they're about all that and actually read the Bible, okay? Just because somebody has corrupted a truth doesn't mean that the truth needs to be thrown out, okay? Because people mismanage the truth all the time. Just like I said, just because somebody's been a bad Christian doesn't mean you throw out Christianity, okay? Now, on the flip side, you've heard the prosperity gospel. What about the poor gospel? What about the poor gospel? Have you heard people talk like that? Yes, you probably heard people saying, you know, I'm taking a vow of poverty. And without going into a whole historical play-by-play about how we got to the point where we are and why so many of us fight this idea of the prosperity gospel is because a lot of people's thinking is that if you are a messenger, okay, of the gospel, if you are a minister, let's say, of the gospel, you have to suffer and take a vow of poverty. Now, like I said, we can go and debunk how we got to this point, but that's just simply not the gospel either, okay? We don't have a prosperity gospel in the sense of the way that we hear it, okay? I'm just defining this. And we don't have a poor gospel, okay? And we don't have a popularity gospel, okay? We just have the gospel. And we have the Bible. And we have the life of Jesus to look at. And that's what we're diving into a little more today, okay? Now, <clears throat> the poor gospel, and maybe I didn't define it so much, but I kind of did about this vow of poverty. Really, it's a gospel that says everything will just suffer, suffer, suffer. And that if Jesus is the one leading you, you're always going to struggle, okay? That is not right, okay? The, the prosperity that I'm talking about today that I want to bring us into and on a journey of is a prosperity of the mind, a mindset of prosperity. Yes, we can major in the, like John, we can major in the material, which we don't want to major in one or the other. We can major in just our health. We can be the most healthy purpose on, uh, per, per person on earth, you know, have the best physique on earth and be super healthy, but then also have a poverty of spirit because John also talks about the soul prospering, okay? But all of this stems from right believing in between the ears. All of this starts with a mindset of prosperity, a mindset of prosperity, okay? Now, <clears throat> let me just say this because I think that, and I've already kind of reiterated the fact that people have misrepresented this word over and over again. There's something that is a psychological phenomenon called semantic satiation. Semantic satiation. It's something that's really like intrigued me. I, I first heard it actually watching a TV series and it's like, oh my gosh, that's exactly, I totally understand this. And I'm just going to read this definition for you. The semantic satiation is a psychological phenomenon in which repetition causes a word or phrase to temporarily lose meaning for the listener, who then perceives the speech as repeated meaningless sounds or extended inspection or analysis in place of repetition also produces the same effect. It's, I don't know if this has happened to you. It's happened to me 
where you've said a word over and over and over again, like over and over again, and all of a sudden you're like, what is this word? Like, it doesn't even sound like a word anymore. It doesn't, like your, your mind goes to this place, which is why it's called a psychological phenomenon, <clears throat> that it just, it loses its value. It loses its meaning. And I feel like, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of symbolically or metaphorically speaking here, I feel like in a lot of ways, this word prosperity has lost its meaning. It's become a, it's become a, a word that is negative, a word that is corrupt, a word that is, you know, for, for people that abuse power or abuse their leadership. It's just not a, a good word anymore for so many people. And I think that this word has become a trigger for so many people. And I think in a lot of ways, we've experienced this semantic satiation moment in some way where it just lost, it lost its meaning. We don't even like the word anymore. But let me, I want to bring us and dive a little bit into the word today on helping us move through this trigger word called prosperity. Now let's read John verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 10. This is just a little bit of a, a starting point for us. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus, he says, I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Probably from this verse. This word abundantly means super abundance. It means overflowing excess, okay? We've talked about this at the beginning of this year, or, or sorry, 2020 now, that it was going to be the, in 20 there would be plenty, that God would show himself as El Shaddai. It's one of his names, one of his Hebrew names, uh, <clears throat> depicting that he is the God of more than enough, okay? He's the God of excess. And we see it here, this word for abundance is overflowing excess, over and above, more than enough, above the ordinary, more than is necessary or all around excess. So the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, to bring you into a place of unnecessary struggle, okay? To get you to a place where you so believe this is your inheritance, you believe that you will always be this way. You will always suffer. There's never anything good on the other side. But yet, here's the, the <clears throat> juxtaposition that Jesus has come to do the complete opposite. He has come to give you a life, and not just a life, a good life, but a super abundant and overflowing with excess life. That sounds like prospering in all things. That sounds like prospering in the soul. That sounds like prospering in the body. That while we're here right now, we have the opportunity and invitation to access super abundance, okay? And if you're going to win at life, this is, I, and I, I want to say this, we have to start seeing the good, even if the good is overwhelmed with corruption. Let that sink in for a second. If we're going to win at life, we have to start choosing that in the midst of corruption, in the midst of things that aren't represented right, that we can find the good and the God. Because almost in everything, I mean, outside of, there's obvious, I'm like, I'm generally speaking here, okay? But <clears throat> it's like going to different churches, for example, different denominations. And you may not agree with everything. You may not like everything. But if you can go with a mindset of looking for the good and the God, I believe most of the time you will pull something great out of it, okay? And I think if we're going to win at life, we have to do this. I mean, do we kick our kids out of the house because of their bad days. No, we see past their bad days. We know principally they're good. And so as a result, we keep them in our house. Now I know for some of you, that's a bad analogy. You're like, I don't like that analogy because you know, there are of course reasons later on in life 
that you may kick your kids out of the house because of A, B, and C, okay? And I don't know, that's, that's up to you to decide, okay? So if you don't like that analogy, listen to this. Do we not believe that God speaks today because some people have claimed that God spoke to them about the end of the world during Y2K? At the moment the clock would strike 12 in the year 2000, that like the world was going to, you know how many prophetic words or people that have said they predicted the end of the world, okay? I mean, just look at the 70s. Look at some of the movements down south in the 70s. People were waiting for Jesus to come back because, or not waiting, they were expecting him to come back on a specific date because some, some wacko decided to say, okay, God spoke to me, which is not even Bible because not even, okay? Not even uh, the angels know when God is coming back, when Jesus is coming back, okay? There's a plan in an hour and it's going to come suddenly, okay? So if you get a word and you think you know when Jesus is coming back, let me just tell you the, the, the greatest, I'm going to give you the greatest help you've ever, you'll, ever, you'll ever need in your life right now. You're wrong, okay? Just, you're just wrong because the Bible is clear. You're not going to know. Yes, there are signs of the times. And yes, there's things that are happening that can give us an expectation. But you're not going to know the day nor the hour. That's Bible. But here these guys have claimed that God spoke to them. So do we throw out prophecy and throw out the prophetic and throw out God speaking because somebody got it wrong? No. We got to look back and say, okay, let's find the God and the good. The God in this is that we learn over and over again that we will never know the day or the hour, okay? That's the God. And the good of this is that we're going to move forward and we're going to choose not to throw out the baby with the bath water and we're going to continue to move on. Well, I, wanna, I want us to look at prosperity like this, okay? That God has called us to prosper. Truths are truths despite at times their grotesque misrepresentation. Write that down. Truths are truths despite at times their grotesque misrepresentation. I mean, the Bible says that yet while you were still a sinner, messed up, broken, a misrepresentation of who you were called to be, living a lifestyle with the middle finger, literally to your creator, that Jesus still saw you as someone worth dying for. He saw your good. Even though he knew your bad, he saw your potential. He saw himself in you. You were predestined to be adopted into the family of God. And all you had to do was accept the invitation. Okay, while you were messed up, while you were literally giving the middle finger to your creator without even realizing it by your lifestyle, rejecting God, God's like, I still love you unconditionally. I still died for you. I'm still waiting for you with open arms to accept you into the kingdom. But love doesn't force itself on another. So I'm gonna invite you in. All you gotta do is say yes. And if you say yes, yes, I'm all in. You're going to dine with me and I'm going to dine with you. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to have relationship together. Not just now, but forever, okay? So God didn't throw you out because of your bad. So we had to look at stuff like this and look at what's happening in the world today. And look at what's happening in the church today. And all these things, these twisted things because people have made mistakes and say, okay, but God, what is your biblical definition? Like, what is the truth of the matter? Not what does so-and-so say about it. What is the truth of the matter. Let's talk about this non-dirty word, prosperity. Sons, write this down, attract prosperity through faith. Now, it's non-gender specific. You know, you're a daughter or you're a son. You're a son technically scripturally, okay? Son attract, sons attract 
prosperity through faith. If you've been adopted into the family of God, you're called a son. Romans 8, 14 says that those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Okay, so if you're led by God, God's leading your life, okay, you're going to attract prosperity to your life. Now, if you don't believe that you are a son, if you don't believe that you were loved by a father, if you don't believe that you have an inheritance as a co-heir with Jesus, if you don't believe in the power of the gospel in your life, then you will act as though you are an orphan. And orphans fall into prosperity through sovereignty. In other words, they have no responsibility. They just might taste it a little bit here, might experience it a little bit here, but they don't attract it because they don't walk in who they are. But as you know and get to know who you are and trust in the greatest message ever preached, you will attract it. It will follow you. It will chase you down. It will chase you down. Once again, I'm talking about a mindset of prosperity that ends up touching every area of our life. It's the starting point for transformation. Proverbs 23, verse verse 7. Let's read this. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is why we're saying that the, the mindset, of pro, this is where it starts. If you have a mindset that it's God's desire to bless you in every area, it's God's desire to empower you, to enable you, to equip you, to strengthen you. If you have a mindset of that as a son, because an orphan wouldn't, an orphan doesn't feel worthy, an orphan doesn't have family, okay? I'm speaking, once again, symbolically here. But sons just know they have a father who loves them. Sons just know they have an inheritance. Sons just know that, that there's, a, there, there's safety for them. There's security for them. They can fall back on someone that will be there for them as a son. And if you believe that, if you believe that, you will begin to experience that. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What I, you know, I, I, I follow... This one guy who is a, a, a Peloton instructor, which is an exercise bike. And he's one of my favorite instructors. And he says this statement and it always hits me. He's like, how you, uh, how you, uh, how you see yourself will be how you treat yourself. And it's so true. And I'm like, man, preach it to me. You know, when I'm exercising and, I, and I'm seeing him and he says these things, I'm like, you're like the Peloton pastor. And as you see yourself will be as though you will, or it will affect how you treat yourself. Well, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, if we believe in health, we'll become healthy. If we believe in spiritual wholeness, we will become whole. If we believe in hard work, we will see the fruit of our labor. In other words, our material possessions. Okay. Now I want to give you, uh, I want to give, like I said, this is going to be a two week, a two part you know, message, but I want to give you just three quick points today. Okay. Three quick points talking about the pathway to prosperity and hopefully helping us come out of this idea that prosperity is actually a dirty word. Okay. And the core of this whole message is around this one thought, this one word, and it's trust, 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 trust. This is the answer. This is the stepping stone from taking this idea or this revelation that God wants to bless me from here to here, where I begin to live that out. We have to trust him. Number one, write this down. We need to trust in his character. If we're going to move along on the pathway to prosperity, we have to learn to trust in his, whose character? The character of Jesus. Now, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, clearly states one of the, one of my favorite names describing the person of Jesus. And that's the title, Prince 
of peace. You can read it. It's up on the screen. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He is the Prince of Peace. This Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom, okay, in the Hebrew. I might not have said that right, so forgive me for all you Hebrew scholars out there. But shalom, okay. And this word, it does mean peace. But in addition, it also means favor, health, wholeness, and yes, prosperity. Prosperity. Jesus, in other words, is the prince of prosperity, bringing favor, health, and wholeness. This sounds like the verse in John, in the third book of John, talking about as the soul prospers, and as we are called to prosper in all things and in health. Jesus, okay, his character this is amazing. He is, he is the prince of prosperity. He is the prince of shalom. He is the one who wants for you to experience his fullness. And that fullness looks like the prosperity of body, soul, and spirit. And everything around you that you touch prospers. I mean, Luke 24. Let's go there for a second. Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Jesus' first words to his disciples after his resurrection, what were they? They were peace and prosperity be unto you. Peace and prosperity be unto you. This is just the overflow. Because I've resurrected, guess what, guys? Everything's going to change. Everything's going to change. Because I came, John 10, verse 10, to give you a super abundant life. Yes, you're going to have suffering. Yes, you're going to have trial. Yes, you're going to have struggle. Yes, you may even live in a state of lack for a very long time. But listen, I, I, pro, I promised you, not just in the life after, but right now, that you're going to experience my peace and my prosperity. He splits it up, but it's really the same thing. I give you just a part of who I am. I, I, I bestow upon you my character. And so I want you to learn to trust in my character in this way when you're struggling. So whenever we see trust in God, now, uh, that I, want to, I want us to do this. Whenever we read the scripture... And we see trust in God, believe in God, have faith in God, whether it's Old or New Testament. When we see that, <clears throat> I want us to see it like trusting in his character as the prince of prosperity, the prince of peace, who wants to give you more than you can even, maybe even at times feel like you can handle. He wants to give you more than you can think, ask, or imagine. Proverbs 28 verse 25 says this, greed causes fighting. But trusting, here we see that, see that again, trusting in the Lord leads to prosperity. Greed causes fighting, but trusting in the Lord leads to prosperity. Now, let's just define this word trust in this passage. It means to be boldly confident. It means to be secure, sure. It means to put confidence in, to make hope. Okay? Now, if you break down this root... It actually means to go or run for refuge quickly, to trust quickly. The word trust means to lean in quickly. Don't overanalyze, because like I said earlier, if you overanalyze something too long, it's like semantic satiation. It loses its value. You overanalyze yourself out of something great. It's like the analysis of, or the paralysis of analysis. You over and over and over analyze something too much. You become paralyzed and don't move. To trust in God is to move quickly. Is to run for refuge quickly. Leaning into his character that guess what? He is the prince of peace. He wants to bless you. This word for prosperity in this verse literally means to make fat. 
to be fat. To be fat in the sense of there's plenty, okay? It means to anoint. It means to make the, the word actually, the root is to be fat, okay? To fatten, okay? Uh, to fatten, so to speak. There's a super abundance. There's excess. So that's what prosperity means. Now we know Proverbs 3, in the first uh, few verses, Proverbs 3, 3 to 5, you know, if we trust in the Lord God with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding and all our ways acknowledge him, we will... Uh, he'll make our paths straight. Well, straight paths are prosperous paths because we're on his path. Even if there are lions and bears on that path, guess what? We know we win. When we're on his path, whatever comes our way, we know we win every single time. We don't want to walk crooked. We want to walk straight. But trust, once again, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, all, every part of you. Acknowledge him in every journey of your life and you will walk straight. Number one, Trust in his character if we want to find the pathway to prosperity. Number two, trust in good work ethic, okay? Now, let me just extend this to a little more practical right now, extending beyond just this super spiritual uh, uh, sort of foundation, which we need. But two, trust in good work ethic. You know, Proverbs 13, verse four, lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper, Proverbs 14, 23, work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty, the opposite of prosperity, okay? Listen, we can have a theology that God provides and he's more than enough, all that, but if we sit on our couch doing nothing and we are idle, we're in a dangerous place, okay? We're in a dangerous place. I know there are seasons, maybe you're on a break, you're in transition, okay? There's grace for that. But the moment you actually, and you know this in your own heart, if you become idle and you stop utilizing and stewarding the life that God has given you, you will eventually move into a place of unhealthy life that is not the prosperous life God's called you to live. I mean, you can live prosperous without having a lot of money. That's not, once again, we're not talking about money here, you guys. Okay, that's just one element or one small aspect, okay, of the material prosperity. We're talking about the prosperity of soul and mind that leads us in from a revelation into stewarding what we have been given. For example, a healthy body, okay? If you say to God, well, God's going to prosper me. I'm praying that God prospers my body. But you sit on your couch eating bags of potato chips all day long, watching reality TV. You're not going to have the prosperity of the body. Like you got to do something with what you've got. Trust in good work ethic. I mean, lazy people often are very ideal and very much the dreamers, but will never have the tact and strategy to move forward. Now, I'm a dreamer and, and I'm ideal in a lot of ways, but I also have uh, an understanding of without hard work, without strategy, without putting my hand to the plow, we're not getting anywhere in life, okay? So here's what I want to say to all of us right now. And this is what even Paul warns, the idle. Don't be idle. Even if you feel like you're not accomplishing a lot, the fact that your willingness is there to move forward, to, to look for the job, to find the thing, I believe God's going to bless you. God's going to be with you along the journey. But if you're sitting around doing nothing and you have no reason to sit around and do nothing, you might be in a dangerous place and in a dangerous space. Don't be idle. Don't be idle. So number two, trust in good work ethic. Number three, trust in his generosity. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will what? 
prosper. The generous will prosper. Not the stingy, not the hoarder. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So trust in his generosity, God's generosity, not in the thing that you're being generous with. Don't trust in the money. Don't trust in the thing that you're giving. Don't trust in the time that you're giving to somebody and thinking you're generous. Trust in the one who is generous. And as a result of that, you will overflow with generosity. Proverbs eleven twenty five. trust in your money and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves on spring. Trust in your money and down you go. But the godly flourish like leaves on spring. This is like this concept of, I know it's part of God's character, trusting in his generosity, how he's been generous to me, has revolutionized my life. And whether it's with the small things or the big things, I have hundreds and hundreds of life-altering stories of God's generosity to my life, in my life. But it didn't start just because I had a revelation of God being generous to me. I had to so trust in his generosity as a God, as a leader in my life, that it had to overflow in me actually representing that same generosity. And in the small things, I remember there's been tons of seasons where I felt like I wasn't prospering, where I felt like it was always a struggle, always a struggle. We go in ebbs and flows, you guys. And as we grow and as we go forward, we hit new ceilings. Sometimes they're like invisible, sometimes they're visible. Hit these new ceilings that we just can't break through. And it's the, the little things, trusting in God, trusting in his generosity, trusting in his character, having good work ethic, even in those times of struggle. In those little things that God allows us to move through and steward and be faithful with that allow us to break through the invisible ceilings of our life to the next level. And I'm speaking to somebody right now. I can feel it. Now, here's the thing. And I can, I can look back and see all the big breakthroughs that I've had over the years. And wow, look at this. And it all usually always went back to just simple God speaking and me stepping out and seeing God's faithfulness. Now, God's been faithful to me and is faithful to me despite what I do. And I understand that. But there's so much of what God has done in my life has challenged me to step out and do that made no sense that actually brought some crazy, mind-blowing breakthrough to my life. But I remember the little things. I remember one time... Way back in the day when Michelle and I were first married, I was at a coffee shop uh, without her actually and there was somebody in line behind me and I really felt God speak to me just to say, to, to pay for her coffee. Now this is when like literally we, we were moving, we lived in seven different houses in one year, didn't even own a bed. Our first bed was an air mattress, a blow up air mattress, um, going from place to place, barely any income, like, ju- like God always provided for us and we felt like we were prospering so to speak, but in the eyes of like the world and based upon our tax year ends, it was like below, below, below the poverty line. But God has had a way of making it work for us. And we were prospering in our soul, prospering in our bodies. Man, and I've had all the material things. That's okay. Because once again, that's not prosperity. It, it's all of these things together interconnected, starting in the mind. It's a mindset. Okay. This is what I want to major on right now. But I remember in this moment, I was in the Starbucks and God spoke to me and said, buy this, this individual a coffee. And I didn't even know who they were. And I think we had some sort of interaction at that point and bought this person coffee, paid for their drink or whatever. And it was within about a week, week and a half later, okay? My wife and I <clears throat> went out to this restaurant 
And, um, you know, I, I used to get anxiety back then, you know, of, of going to restaurants and, and the bill that would come and, you know, feel it was always a step of faith. It was like just in that season. It was just everything was a step of faith. And I remember we were going there for some reason because we had to. I can't remember why, but it wasn't like we chose to. It was like we kind of had to for something, but I didn't have the money. And I remember sitting there and seeing this individual that, and I didn't even know if she saw me. I just kind of could see her from the background. And, uh, and, and she was in the, the one side of the restaurant. And at the end of the, the, the lunch, I remember the, the waitress came up to me and said, okay, your bill's taken care of. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, this, this woman over there in the back corner, I think uh, she's gone now, actually paid for your, your meal. And I think we were with like four people, paid for my meal. And I just remember thinking to myself, God, like, this is like what it looks like to trust in your generosity. Like, you're so good. This is just who you are. And as I lean into the little things, like God shows up in the, the small things. And this is a progressive journey of this. But it's so powerful when, when we begin to live out and begin to actually do. John 3 verse 16, the core of that verse is all about generosity. That is an overflow of love. love. It says, for God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave. He so loved you. He so loved me that he gave his son to die. He gave his son so that we could have new life. And ultimately, Jesus is our pathway. Jesus is our doorway to prosperity. If you want to tap into who he is, get to know him. And the way we get to know him is by accepting the invitation that he gave us over 2,000 years ago on a cross, which was the most generous act of love. And that was giving of his whole life, body, soul, and spirit, so that we could be raised to new life again. He didn't just die on a cross. He resurrected to new life, resurrected a brand new person. That's what happens to us when we say yes to Jesus and we lean in. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will, or that he was raised from the dead on the third day, you will be saved. Okay, listen, he's already done the work. He's already forgiven you. All you have to do is say yes and lean into it and open the envelope. That's the invitation into relationship and everything changes from there. So if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity right now just to lean in and say yes. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are God. I receive your forgiveness today in that amazing act of generosity on the cross. You so loved me that you gave everything so I could have a new life and a better life. I could have the John 10, 10 life, a super abundant life. It doesn't just happen when I die one day, but right now with you in relationship, like things can actually be good and they're good even when they're bad because I have somebody who's really good helping me along the way in Jesus name. If you said that, it's the best decision I believe you've ever made in your life. Please email us. Let us know how we can support you, pray with you in this next season. For the rest of us right now, well, I mean, everybody watching right now, I want to pray for us. And my prayer is that as an entry point, part one of how prosperity isn't a dirty word, I'm praying that some of the scales would fall off our eyes, the fears, these terminologies, these taboo subjects would just get normal because they're in the Bible. And we want to look at what God says about these things, not about just how man's misrepresented them. So Father, I just pray right now for healing. I pray for breakthrough. I pray for understanding. I pray for mindset changing, for transformation. I pray for new starting points for us right now. I pray that in this next season, we would pursue you as the Prince of Peace, really as the Prince of Prosperity, that everything in our life, our health, 
our bodies, our souls, our spirit, God, our mindsets, God, our stuff, things, our businesses, our, jo- our careers, our jobs, our families, God, you prosper. You would show yourself as the prince of prosperity. You would prosper us when people say, you know what? It's not going to happen. When people around us say, there's no way your business is going to explode. There's no way this is going to happen. There's no way you're going to have a restoration in your family, your marriage, your, your kids. There's no way your kids are going to follow God because of what you've done. There's no way. There's no way. There's no... I just pray against all of that, all those lies right now. We just accept the fact that we have a prince whose name is Jesus, a king whose name is Jesus, and he is the king of prosperity, and he is the one who is leading our lives. He is the one who is guiding our lives. So I'm praying right now, God, that you would break through to us watching and that everything would begin to shift remove the fog the fogginess over our eyes that stop us from seeing you as though you really are in this area in jesus name prosperity is not a dirty word jesus prosperity is a word that i believe you represent on so many levels that we've missed in the past but moving forward god you're going to heal us and transform our thinking in jesus name God bless you, Kingdom Culture. We will see you next week. Wow, what an incredible experience. I really love this word by Pastor Sean. It actually connected to a book that I have been reading, God and the Prosperous Soul. Uh, Really uh, speaks to me and that how, like really prosperity is not a dirty word and can be in our vocabulary. And I want prosperity for my life. You want that for your life. We want that for our souls. So if you made a decision to to walk in newness of life, in fullness of life, in a prosperous life, I want to encourage you also to uh, let us know by sending an email to prayer kingdomculture.ca we do want to follow up with you we do want to connect you to the life of the house and resources your way but yes church let's be encouraged re-watch this message again if you need to i'm excited for part two pastor john mentioned part one so i'm excited for part two next week right so enjoy guys have a great week bye